0: It's
1: that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered.
0: Beginning right now. Welcome, everybody. Once again, it is J.C. and Morgan, March Madness style. In fact, the final installment, number 189 if you're scoring at home, Uh, of the month of March before we delve into April and we talk in spring football and everything else. But it's that time of year where we not only do our own thing, uh, a couple of uh, dueling soliloquies at times uh, mixed in with some dialogue and good stuff. But we also like to get guest heavy this time of year. And I, I mean, we've been fortunate to have a number of tremendous guests. I don't even know who we're missing at this point. But this is the distinguished first three-timer in terms of J.C. and Morgan. That's right. Uh, you know, they used to have that on SNL, as I like to say, back when the show was funny and relevant. Uh, when Tom Hanks was on, like that, he was part of the five-timer club. Well, Timmy B., Tim Brando, uh, is now the first of the three-timer club. And who knows? Maybe the only. I don't know if anybody's going to be worthy of such a distinction. But when you have uh, <laughs> when you have Tim Brando on, he is certainly worthy. You know him. Uh, it, it's funny, Timmy, uh, you and I were talking not long ago, and obviously you are a Fox guy now and do a great job covering everything that Fox has under their umbrella with football and basketball. But I, as I'm watching March Madness, I'm thinking of Tim Brando back in the day when I was uh, growing up. And, and it, even during college football, when I see the CBS studio show, I still somehow think you're magically going to pop up there with Lou Holtz and do a reunion. <laughs> But it, uh, but it never happens. Anyway, with all that being said, welcome once again. It's a pleasure to have you on.
2: Thank you, Mike. It's great to be with, uh, with both you guys. And I feel similarly about um, uh, the time of year and uh, the conversations that we have because, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've been the soundtrack for a lot of people your age and maybe a little younger and a little older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we both have, well, we all have Southern roots, so there's that background of information that uh, you guys have on me that maybe a few others don't. So uh, <laughs> I don't have to go over, you know, uh, what what I've done and where I've been and where I, where I, where I hope to go with you guys. You guys know me well enough to understand uh, both my past, my my current, and and hopefully my short term future. When you're my age, you don't think about long-term future quite as much as you used to. Right. Uh, but but I do, uh, I do still have goals. I still have uh, uh, things I want to accomplish, and mm-hmm. and uh, I think they're probably things that you're already aware of, and that's good. I don't have to go through that kind of stuff when I'm talking to you guys.
0: No, I, I, you, you are, uh, like so many in the business. I mean, it's, it's the old Jimmy Valvano axiom survive in advance, right? You just, you keep, Mm -hmm. you keep going this crazy business. And you're one of the few that you've kind of done the Holy Trinity of ESPN is where many people first saw you. And I know you have ties way back before that, but for, for those of us that saw you on national TV, our, our introduction, uh, to Tim Brando was, was ESPN. And then of course I mentioned the CBS and now Fox, and I know there was Raycom and everything mixed in. I mean, we could do, we could do three hours on just kind of Turner, that.
2: Turner sports. Her, and yes. Sports Turner. And all yeah. Those, so yeah.
0: it's really yeah. more than the Holy Trinity, uh, whatever that is, times four <laughs> it's a quad, or five. It's a yeah. Quad. Quad, <laughs> the Holy quad. Uh, and, and, you know, I live in Atlanta and have for the last 12 years, I mean, uh, for those that were around and, and remember wasn't that long ago, you were calling Braves and Hawks games. I mean, yep. it, it's an amazing career, and I know that's hard um for somebody who's still in the thick of it to really reflect on and think about. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but it's one of those things when when I think about it and all the interesting career, there's a lot of people that have excelled at one thing at one network or with one team for a long, long time. And that is certainly commendable and distinguishable, but I've always had admiration for the the, the men and women in our business that have also been uh, versatile and have been able to adapt to, to, to different things. And you're not just wearing, you know, the same company jacket with the same mic flag for 30 years or 40 years or doing yep. it for one team for that long. That's great. But to be able to do what you've done when you think about it in that perspective and i didn't even know i was going here when we signed on mm-hmm. It's the beauty of having you on i never know where we're gonna go uh but it's it's pretty amazing when you when you think of all those different corners of of the broad sportscasting universe that you've hit
2: yeah well you know the last uh real job beyond what i was doing at cbs i had when when i was literally um in in scotched in cbs but 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 the other job, you know, for years I did Raycom, in fact, Mm -hmm. all the way through Raycom stopping its syndicated uh, ACC coverage, which was by and large the end of Raycom as a entity of of broadcasting their own sports. But the Tim Brando show, which was a radio show that initially started on Sporting News Radio, Mm -hmm. went to Sirius XM, was then simulcasted on CBS Sports Network. So I could no longer do the show just Commando, you know, in a in a robe in my house here <laughs> in this very study that I'm talking to you now from. But I had to actually go to a studio that that CBS invested in and 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 do television, uh, a televised version of what we were doing on the radio, for uh, three years, and that was uh, that was really wearing a lot of hats even then, and uh, uh, frankly. <laughs> When I finally stopped doing it, and the, and the reason I did was because I was now calling games, not doing studio primarily, okay? Mm-hmm. Once I got to Fox and I was a full-time uh, on the road play-by-player for both football and basketball, I realized it was just too difficult to do your best, okay, in terms of homework necessary, getting to the site, and then delivering a daily three-hour talk show, uh, it became cumbersome when I was doing the uh, studio at CBS and I would fly in on Thursday, I would go over to Mickey Mantles and do the show from Mickey Mantles, you know, in central park, South.
0: Nice. I've been uh, there. Very so cool. it was like
2: one, it was like one hand. I was in the window. You couldn't pass by if you were staying at the Ritz. You couldn't walk by without, without seeing us. And, uh, so one hand sort of washed the other with that. But when you're trying to meet with coaches and, and coordinators and players, you know, before a Saturday football game, uh, carrying a bunch of equipment into a hotel mm-hmm. and hoping you can get connected. I, I tried that for a year and it yeah. was enough. So, all the guys that were working for me, my ensemble, they're all doing well and I'm happy for them. But uh, I, I think the other thing too is I didn't want to be, I didn't want my legacy to be quote unquote sports talk host. Mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed having my own show for a period of time. But the business was kind of going in another direction, one that I did not like, and I'm really glad that I don't have to address every issue that's out there uh, on the daily sports menu Right. that that people are forcing guys to talk about when they really either A, don't want to talk about it, or B, don't know enough to talk about it uh, and shouldn't be, all right? And that's what's happening, I think, in our business, particularly with uh, with sports radio and and some of these um, other shows that we see popping up that I find deplorable
0: on daytime
2: TV <laughs> uh, on a regular basis, no matter the network.
3: <laughs>
0: no, I know exactly. So, You're right. And and they're all guilty of it. Um, and it's a play the hits. Just yeah, snowman yeah. arguments slash yeah. regurgitate the same stale arguments yeah. slash. Yeah. How do we instill this political point into this? It's the same garbage day after day after day. day. And look, for 14 years, I hosted a three-hour show. I know what it's like to do shows in the dog days of summer where you're searching for Mm -hmm. topics and everything else. But these are shows that are doing that in the middle of hot times of the year. And it it just shows me like we've lost control of what's important to the listener in many cases. What I liked about your show is that it was the only one uh, that, at least that was, you know, now you have Sirius XM all college all the time, but mm-hmm. yours was a, on a national TV scale that actually put a focal point on college football, college basketball year round, or at least when it was relevant. Whereas he, and this,
2: even some, even college baseball too. And even college I mean, baseball. Talk about, yeah Right. Which they would
0: never in a million years discuss on, a, on that type of platform today. Uh, whereas now, I mean, I tune in on a Monday after in the fall, after a huge college football weekend. And it's like, that didn't even happen because we got to hit every NFL talking point for a three yeah. hour show. So that's just, yeah. that's just where it is. And I, I, so the college football and basketball fan are completely underserved if they're Big watching time. studio show, uh, those types of formats. It's, it's, it's a shame. And You're the only one that kind of broke that mold a little bit. I don't think there's anything like that on the air today.
2: You know, by example, I'll just throw this out. Okay. Because uh, yesterday when what I thought were two incredibly enjoyable basketball games to watch mm-hmm. now, you can say that one ended badly and it did. Uh, you can say that another one um, uh, was, was a tremendous comeback and there was this, uh, Explosion for a seventy-three-year-old coach that uh, had had taken George Mason to the Final Four uh, back in two thousand six, but had not been back and had not taken Miami, certainly a larger program than George Mason, to a Final Four. And 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 so I'm thinking, okay, uh, CBS is going right off the air for sixty minutes, which is understandable. Uh, I'm I'm still sort of grinding, and I want to hear what other people have to say. Right. I heard I heard what Charles and Jay uh, and uh, Clark were saying with Gumby uh, in the studio at CBS, but they didn't get to spend as much time on it because they're are a bridge shown and other games gotta start. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, well, CBS Sports Network, clearly, right? They're gonna have, yeah. you know, Zucker and, and, and that group, Wally Zerbiak, somebody No, they had they had a they had rodeo on. Oh, rodeo. Wow. Now, now it's a rodeo time by, I'm sure. So they're making money on it. But there's Rodeo on CBS Sports Network. So I'm like, okay, well, TBS, right? The TBS crew.
3: Right. They'll
2: have Ernie or whoever Ernie's replacement is talking. No, they're not on. They've got a show, a movie or something on TBS. Right. So then I'm like, okay, let's go to ESPN and ESPN. Too. No, they got women's basketball. On. Right. There was no place to Did go. You try
0: True TV because True TV. to no. t- <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I think True TV after the last Friday is where Dunsky. Uh, they had Impractical
0: the Jokers on, I think. Instead, breaking like it down. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but anyway, uh, think about that. That to me, this is the the sporting event that's captured, captivated all of us that love college athletics, right? And at the end of the, uh, you know, we now know who the four teams are but I still want to grind the game that we really didn't talk about as much as I would have liked to have seen it talked about. Let's take a deeper dive on what happened at the end of that game and why it happened. Yeah, nothing. And then, Hey, Jim, Larry Okay. I know he's not Dean Smith or Roy Williams. It's Miami, but this is history what he's doing. Sure. So there was no place to find it. Okay. Uh, and that's just so sad to me. No. Uh, college, college athletics is still very much underserved in all forms of media. And when it is done, it's done by so many that have uh, no experience that they don't understand context and they can't give you any nuggets on history and why, like, like what happened in that game, the Miami kid was spotless. He was perfect. He had every shot from the floor. 9 for 9, 9 for
0: 9, which makes I you mean, think of Leitner, 10 for 10, yeah. 10 for 10 in 92. But if you're a 28-year-old Syracuse grad, which seemed to have flooded the market because <laughs> people are, that graduate from Syracuse are making a lot of the hiring, they don't yeah. know that. And so they stick yeah. the kid on there, and he's got to pretend because he just read it on Wikipedia. Oh, that reminds yeah. me of Leitner in 92. <laughs> yeah, sure it does. Good. But anyway, the,
2: the bottom line is it's just so sad. To me, we've we've regressed in our coverage of college athletics. Every college football is in the uh, shadows of the NFL all fall long. Lots of pregame conversation, but once the games are over on Saturday, oh my God, it's Sunday. We're not talking to college on Sunday. College basketball is it's even worse. Yeah. And you know, we really only put college basketball on the front pages. Uh, and JC's more the writer than, than you and I would ever be, but JC, you can, you can identify with this. We can't get past page six in a major, uh, website, much less old publications that when they were still in business until the tournament begins. And now, hell, they're not talking about it. Even after the regional finals are over, right. you know, you really have to hunt both in print as well as in electronic media. Yeah, uh, for the final four it's amazing
1: march madness is still very popular but i'll admit it it's not as i mean when i was a kid and even as a young adult with timmy b when you were doing uh raycom on uh, mm-hmm. in the acc network that got piped into my house every night uh yeah. wednesdays and fridays or whatever i watched some great games i watched wake forest come back and beat north carolina one night and winston-salem mm-hmm. before they opened the new coliseum i'll never yeah. forget those moments I just, we just don't get that with basketball anymore. I mean, it's on, but, you know, and it's another thing too, I think is, is the fact that it's, most things are streamed now. You can get, it's always on TV. It's not a special televised game when it's on TV anymore. Everything's on TV and all that good stuff, but you're right. It's a yeah. uh, college basketball, is, it, I, you know, it's, it's taking a back seat. And speaking of that, one thing I love about what, what you cover and what you've always covered is you have this enthusiasm for things that, like I kind of secretly like, as somebody from the South, you wouldn't think, mm-hmm. like Pac-12 football and Big East basketball. Like every time mm-hmm. you call a game at the Garden, I'm like, man, I'm jealous of that guy, you know? Because that's <laughs> it's just that's just so special. Like in the whole scheme of sport, to be in that yeah. building with, with with that historic league, which is a great basketball league, by the way. Um, yeah. you know, at, at UConn coming back in, I mean, you know, I grew up watching that, you know, right yeah. before yeah. March Madness and stuff. And, and I think that bringing that type of enthusiasm to, to things that maybe the, the masses aren't, aren't aware of, or don't have appreciation for, I, I think that does help the sport, uh, move forward or, or both sports move mm-hmm. forward and stuff. And, uh, that's just, uh, it, it's rare that you get that type of, uh, great enthusiasm and it, it, it's almost like a an unspoken respect, uh, for the tradition of the game. And and I I do appreciate that about what you do and always have.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That, that means a great deal to me. And, you know, now my, my season ends. Okay. Uh, when the big East tournament is over, I hand it off to Gus for the uh, quarterfinal round, uh, at night. I do the first five games of the big East tournament and we've got in the first, we had a quarterfinal game, with rivalries okay abound Yukon and Providence sure. for the first quarterfinal uh day and the place is packed it sounds like the big east championship uh Providence is down 26 comes back with under 3 to play to cut it to 5 uh twice and and you know a 20 i think it was a 26 to 5 run And I'm losing my voice because I've had overtime games and I could feel it. It was one of those deals, Mike, where, you know, when you're beginning to lose your pipes, you have to push it a little harder. You have to speak even louder. Uh So you turn, you turn the volume uh, meter in your ears down just a bit. So you're pushing your voice because if you stop and you become a little more conversational, you're having to push it even more because the crowd's so loud. It literally sounds like, you know, an SEC, Alabama, LSU game, by example, you know, and one of the games of the city, it's that kind of crazy inside the garden for basketball. And if I don't do that, then my voice is going to crack. And I know that. So I immediately start talking a lot less. And I even just said at one point, the crowd's going to tell you everything. And this is with a 10 point spread with about five and a half minutes to go. I knew if they got it to single digits, it's, it's going to go nuts. So I just lay out, let the crowd go. And when uh, Locke from Providence hits a three, I just say lock, Right. And I, I don't say a thing after that. Ball is inbounded. And the Jackson kid from Connecticut throws a lazy pass. It's intercepted by uh, mm. the kid uh, Floyd, Corey Floyd. He And so he takes it. I just let the bucket go in. You hear the crowd go nuts. And right as the ball's going in, I go, Floyd, boom. That's it. Yeah. And then we go to break and we come out and it's a five point game with three minutes and 35 seconds left. If you roll back uh, on your DVR, no more than five minutes, the spread was 22. 22. You know, that's just unbelievable when, when you're doing a game like that. And, you know, it was louder in the building then because it was a Big East game the New England rivals, Providence and Yukon, and they're only an hour and 15 minutes apart. You know, it's sort of the New England version of Duke Carolina to them. It's not as well known, but in that part of the country, you know, on that side of the Hudson, that's a big, big ass game. You know, and absolutely they're going they're going nuts. And so the game ends, we go off the air, and the show that's on after us, which is one of the Embrace Debate shows, Says nothing about college basketball. <laughs> I mean, nothing. Now, right. I'm talking about my own network here, okay? I could go <laughs> on and on about the four-letter network, right? but I don't want to do that to you, and I don't want to <laughs> do that to the show. So uh, the bottom line is there was a time in our business where we all felt like what was going on, the air at a game, needed to be addressed when yep. a studio show came on. We called that seamless broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know we're, uh, we're we're getting an audience that was watching college basketball. Let's at least make them happy by transitioning into whatever we're going to do with five minutes of something substantive to the sport we were just watching. We don't do that anymore. Right. We just okay. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? What's up with LeBron? Are we going to be able to see? Are they going to get along? What's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? Deserves oh, yeah. more money. <laughs>
0: and i will go after I mean, the, just, anybody's family who disagrees with me. I yeah, no, i yeah. i think guys what you're what we're all talking about here I, I i i sense this in college basketball now and and the way they treat college football it, many people do it's it's almost like a major league baseball analogy in that people yep. will tell you that a nationally televised baseball game between two teams it doesn't matter who the team's obviously Yankees Red Sox are different, but mm-hmm. let's just say the, the the Rangers and the angels and the angels have star power with Otani and Trout. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not going to draw a huge number for a regular season game. Typically right. that just doesn't happen. And that's the way they right. view college basketball. And you and I are in the trenches. I mean, I'm doing an sec game, a regular season game at Alabama this year. The crowd is packed. The, the fans are unbelievable. Um, and everybody's talking about it in that footprint, but maybe nationally, I have no idea. They don't share the numbers with me. Maybe it didn't draw a great number, but it's, but if you take like an Atlanta Braves game and you do the regional ratings, they do extremely well, or the New York Yankees, the New York Mm -hmm. market extremely well. So we, we've treated it as just a niche within a niche, just a regional sport, the, right. the the national public can't handle the relevance of that unless it's right in their own backyard. That's the yeah. way I look at the coverage yeah. of, of college basketball in particular.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, as an example, if we went back and transcribed, okay. All that was said on these so-called um, uh, embrace debate shows. All right. That are out there on all the cable outlets that uh, except for the conference networks. Okay. I, I will give much credit to those at the SEC network and the big 10 network and Mm -hmm. the ACC network for, you know, taking care of their fans because they do, but just because they do. And, and companies like the one I work for and the one you work for are responsible for that. It almost seems like they said, okay, well, that's their space. We're not even going to discuss that on, on Fox or FS1 or ESPN. That's what they're deciding. Right. And, I, and I say, wait a minute, no, there's got to be a little more balance to this. And I think that's, for me anyway, the thing that I have a hard time uh, getting past. If we were to transcribe this, fellas, think about this. You did, I don't know, how many games did you do Al- for, of, of Alabama's? Uh, four, oh, five?
0: Oh, gosh, probably this year, like seven or eight, because they were seven they were eight. so relevant. They were good right. and it made for yeah. great television.
2: Right. So, anyway, that and then from the time the uh, tragedy occurred in Tuscaloosa Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and Miller, we finally learned of Miller's connection to that story. Okay. If we were to transcribe all the shows, not just the ones on, not just the ones on the sec network, but everyone, Mm -hmm. how much real basketball was discussed versus, versus the controversy over Miller not being suspended or his real role his involvement, 90 percent, 90 percent, at least in my mind, yeah. of any conversation about the number one team in America, the overall number one seed had zero to do about college basketball. That's right. And just about all to do with my God, how well, can they allow this to happen to, and la- and not suspend that kid?
0: To put it in perspective, I had the game literally the day after that news broke and it was supposed to be just another Alabama game at South Carolina. Seth mm-hmm. Greenberg and I, the news breaks less than 24 hours for tip off the following day. Immediately we had a sideline reporter. Um, and, and immediately I'm getting inundated. Seth is getting inundated phone calls from everybody wanting to talk about what the matchup, uh, how good no. Alabama is. Can they finally make a no. final four? No, 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 no. Talk about Brandon Miller. Talk about everything that happened in Tuscaloosa. And, and, you know, I realize that's a story that transcends sports, but it also is a reminder that a lot of people—they're not in. It takes something like that for them to really have an interest. Oh, exactly. To cover, yeah. it, Which is your point, oh, and sure. I, yeah, yeah, it's. I'm
2: sure you discovered how many more coordinating producers they had in. Bristol oh yeah,
0: yeah. Prior to that game, <laughs> it was you know again if if. If uh if I ever write a book, there, there there'll be yeah. certainly mention yeah. of that those twenty-four hours yeah. uh for sure. And and the Not funny bad. thing is, I mean, it was an overtime thriller and Miller goes for 41. It's the game of his life. I and, did
2: see the very end of the game. I yeah. was out on the road doing my own game. It's, and I came back and I think I caught the last uh maybe two and a half minutes right. of the game. Uh, And it was very much in doubt because South Carolina played their butts off.
0: Played the game of their Uh, year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They did. Um, But then it was uh, when you guys went off the air Mm -hmm. and and you went back to the studio. Mm -hmm. All right. There was very little basketball discussed in that studio that night.
0: That's what I mean. I I assume. Very little
2: basketball. Yeah. I mean, and it's not their fault, but, you know, they've got to discuss it. I get that. And there's more time. And there was, there's more relevance for the studio to deal with that kind of story than than you and Seth trying to call again. Well, game yeah,
0: where, and I'm where getting some
2: miraculous plays by him. Were being made, right? By the way,
0: yeah. and I'm getting hit on my Twitter timeline. Uh, how dare you be enthusiastic for that? Kids, 41 points. Do you know it? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not getting into. I'm not getting into that one. Right. Um. Right. All right. So, by the way, we're this is an audio medium, but we're recording this on Zoom, Tim. Ah, Oh, that's a Florida Atlantic practice Jersey. And I didn't just go out and buy this. Uh, Beautiful. I love it. So I, I played high school ball miles from the campus. Three of my high school teammates went on to play at FAU right after they actually got a basketball program and eventually turned D one. And this was from a teammate of mine who I played with in middle school, high school. And he went on to, he was better player than I was obviously went on to play there. So I, that's like my team this year. That is one of those great stories in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I, I was it got me to thinking because shortly thereafter, um, FAU got football because of one man, Howard Schnellenberger. I mean, he was right. the guy. You probably right. interviewed Howard or came across many, him times. many times, many times. You know many what I, I learned? Just this is completely an aside. He's not in the College Football Hall of Fame, no. and I had no. to ask myself well, why is that? Do you? Is, there's a silly rule. Do you know this? So a coach must have a coach must have coached at least 10 years and 100 games with a minimum winning percentage of 600. Now I don't know where Howard falls short on that, but somehow he does. So I don't think he's ever getting in.
2: Probably the early days of, uh, F, uh of, of FAU. Probably
0: that would have hurt his winning right. percentage. Sure. I mean, they were just yeah. a, you know, they've got bake sales just to pay for the equipment. <laughs> uh, <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, it just got me to thinking cause I I'm sure Back in the Miami days, even you, you and Schnellenberger, you somehow cross paths, right? I mean, yeah, he... I,
2: I, I got started really when Jimmy, my first game on ESPN was sidelines for South Carolina Miami when uh, Testa Verde was the Heisman Trophy going to be the Heisman Trophy ah, winner in '86. Wow. <laughs> yes, yeah, the uh, first
1: game I ever uh, watched.
0: And Where, <laughs> play, was that the and, fight? And
1: your, the no, South the Carolina, fight was the next year.
2: In next year, okay. Uh, Todd Ellis was the quarterback for right. South Carolina. The man in black was the head coach and Jimmy at Jimmy at his, I mean at his absolute coiffed hair best at that particular time. But I did uh, run across um, coach Nellenberger many times around then. And after then uh, through what he was doing uh, and the job that he, he, he left Miami for, you know, in the league, uh, the USFL and all that other stuff that was, right, right, you know, right. coming up. And he had, I think he he had uh, he had also been part, I think, of the WFL WFL going way yes. way way back. Yes. Um, so I was very aware of him, and uh, that's where I really developed my relationship with Corso with the Orlando Renegades.
0: The Renegades. Uh, and
2: '85 was my first year at ESPN, and my my breakthrough year uh, was that season. And uh, you know those those were great days. I mean, they were awesome, and I remember them vividly and uh we'll write about it a lot uh, in my book when i have it come yeah. out which which <laughs> i think is still two years in the making but
0: i was gonna say yours uh, will have a lot of chapters be,
2: that'll be uh yeah probably be a doorstop for people around the country <laughs> um because uh in all likelihood like most guys that do what we do i'll have to publish it myself probably uh <laughs> but i do want to get it out i do yeah. because so much of People tell me the story after this or story after that, and I see an old picture, and uh, it is a photographic memory. I just have to condense it. Have mm-hmm. a really good editor, and I and I do a, a great guy is going to edit the book for me. So, but I wanted to get it out by 2025 because that'll be the 40th anniversary of my national debut when I started oh, nationally. Nice. In the- and
0: so- again, that that'll be fascinating for the reasons I spoke of. No knock on the hall of fame announcers who did yeah. everything with one team or one network. Yeah. But if you want to really have a good story, there's gotta be a little bit adversity in there. There's gotta be a little bit of peaks and valleys. It can't just all be a, you know, we all would love to have the Vince Scully story, but that's not typically yeah. how broadcasting works. You know, there's. Uh, I'll,
2: I'll never forget doing top ranked boxing. Once they asked me to do it and they said, can you do boxing? Oh, of course I can. And they flew me out to some dingy hotel in Vegas. It was clearly one of the worst in Vegas at the time, and uh, for years, Al Bernstein made those fighters sound like, you know, they were the next, uh, you know, first or second challenge. You know, should be the third-rated heavyweight or cruiserweight yeah, yeah. or whatever. And uh, some guy would bow out of a fight, and literally, your homework for the event would be a questionnaire that would be given to the fighter. Right. You know, and it's some ham and egger that they pulled off the streets that, you know, maybe fought as an amateur years ago or in the service. And he has a bunch of tattoos and he, he he's got a he's got a truck. He's got a rig outside, but he's going to fight tonight because he gets to be on national cable.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs>
2: know, one of That's, those deals. That I, happened a lot back in the day. I mean, a lot. I you
0: know? got and one we, phone call. We made like it look
2: that. as big as we could. Oh, yeah. You know, we
0: made well, you lean on big, your analyst, right? right? I mean, I you could. had Bernstein who could talk. I got yeah. a call like that. Mike, can you be in Jacksonville, North Carolina? I didn't even know there was such a thing. I guess it's a yeah. military based town. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you'd be working with um uh, who's the guy the ESPN analyst? Um, not Bernstein. Well, uh, for boxing Oh, oh
2: for boxing okay. this is a yeah. for
0: a boxing might right? have
2: been uh might have been teddy atlas atlas atlas. Teddy, teddy atlas and
0: i call my agent and i'm like i've never done boxing in my life he's like just lean on atlas and you know yeah just do it and but i we yeah. couldn't make the travel work out, so I, I my boxing debut never <laughs> never took off but i did get one of those phone calls I, you know they probably called 37 other people like call morgan see if he can do boxing for a night right. It, um, and this is
2: this is just one weekend, and I'll and I'll stop and get yeah. off the nostalgia. But in 1985, in one week, all right, I did a I did a Wednesday show in Hull, Quebec, Canada. Jean-Yves Terrio, who was the uh, champion of his weight classification in PKA karate, okay, uh, it was run by a guy in, uh, in Atlanta named Joe Corley, and Joe was also the analyst. So he fashioned himself as the Al Bernstein of kickboxing. So I do this show in Hull, Quebec, Canada on a Wednesday. I then fly to start Vegas. To uh, No, excuse me. I then fly to Memphis. Memphis, uh, because we've got a showboats, Birmingham Stallions uh, TV game in the USFL. All right, Reggie
0: White versus Joe Cribs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to say Cliff Stout was the quarterback. Cliff Stout,
0: yep, for yeah, Steelers.
2: For the Stallions, and Joey Jones was a wide receiver. By the way, on that oh, team, uh, but that former coach is he still at South Alabama? He made I don't think he is, but Joey later went on to coach at South Alabama. Anyway, Efforting. I do that. I did, <laughs> I did that game on a on a Friday, and then from Memphis, drive to start Vegas. To do Sunday night college baseball. Uh, and it's uh, Thunder and Lightning, Will Clark and oh, Rafael Palmero, wow. and those guys going up against Skip Bertman's second year team um, at LSU with Ben McDonald uh, as a freshman, as I recall. Uh, so think about that for a minute. Yeah. Three sports, four, three sports, five days from Canada to the Delta. You know, That's awesome. To awesome it was awesome it was, it was you can't that doesn't happen anymore no. you know that the calendar was uh and that's the point the calendar was so good to me and there were so many new shows uh and and new sports that espn had to put on the air because they had nothing else mm-hmm. and it just provided opportunity for me right you know i if you were going to work there that was absolutely the best time
0: there. Well, yeah. And everything was so fresh because so many of those things weren't televised in yeah. the past. I mean, that was the yeah. birth of college baseball on TV and USFL had their three year run. And, uh, I mean, now, all Mar- that.
2: Marv-, Marv Levy was actually an analyst with me on USFL football. Wow. He had become the general manager of the Chicago blitz or Chicago fire, whatever it was. Blitz. I think it was the blitz. Yeah. I think it was the blitz. But anyway, uh, he, um, they were going to suspend operations with the with that team. They were, and they had by '85 the league would die later that year. You know, with the uh, lawsuit and Trump and all that. Mm-hmm. But but uh, Marv Levy, before he became a Hall of Fame coach with the Bills, he had already done Kansas City. Then he went to the USFL, and then he came back to coach Buffalo and become a Hall of Famer. But I got to work with Marv three or four times, and that was. I mean, that was like being with an Al McGuire in basketball.
0: Uh, That's that's incredible. He's a legend. Oh, heck yeah. One of the brightest people that have probably ever coached the sport. Yeah. Uh, And I've said this many times on the podcast. I mean, I was a weird kid. So when the USFL was around, I mean, I I was literally like less than 10. I, I I was watching those games when I was like eight years old.
2: Hey, JC, don't you think you should edit that out? don't you
0: think you <laughs> can edit that out? <laughs> it's, it's it's not about it's not about proving youth as much as yeah. it is. Like, <laughs> I wonder when I uh, when I see today's kids now, I sometimes I I worry a little bit about not only our industry but just kind of the the future of sports fans because it wasn't unusual for kids even that young. I mean, a little unusual, but then when I got to like 10, 11, 12, we all were sports fanatics and we all watched sports all the time and played it. And that was just normal. You had like the kids that got in a bunch of trouble, and then all you right. had the kids that got that were just immersed in sports and it was the perfect escape. I don't know right. if we have that as much anymore. Oh, no, um, we, don't. It, we it, don't. it seems, I mean, I'd be a little bit concerned about that. When we're doing all this gimmicky stuff like TikTok and everything to try to get them into sports, but. If you're not actually watching games uh that's a concern to me because if you're not watching them early what's going to all of a sudden change that you're watching them late right mm-hmm. like if you're Absolutely. if you're a teenager and you don't care to watch sports or listen to sports or attend sports then what makes you think you're going to do it at 35 45 50 I think right. that's the challenge that all these leagues and college football and basketball have you know yeah, no doubt
2: about it everybody no doubt about it
0: um, yeah, so, you. so circling back a minute to the final four, before we get into some football stuff, which we always right. do on this podcast, one thing I, that stood out, I mentioned FAU and then we've got San Diego state. I mean, this is just Yukon's the one blue blood last year. We had four blue bloods this year. We have, we have one, we have three other teams that have never been to a final four. We have no one, two or three seeds, all historic. Uh, And already there's the criticism trained by people that don't care about college basketball in the first place going, well, good luck having me watch because I only care when the blue – well, good for you. But there's other people that actually will will enjoy this. But one thing I thought just an overriding to tie it in with football just a second, Tim, is that what we're witnessing is something that will never happen in college football. I don't care if 12-team playoff, which thankfully we're going to have, but you're never going to have this – and the reason, the biggest reason, there's a lot of reasons, but college basketball, the, the, the benefit of the one-and-done in terms of parity is that all these teams that are in the Final Four, they're old. There's two other numbers I'm going to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Zero McDonald's All-Americans are left. First Final Four without a single McDonald's All-American, and you won't find one true freshman that's playing any quality minutes for any of these four schools. So right. the old teams whether it was Baylor a few years ago, Virginia, they are the ones, other than 2012 Kentucky, 2015 Duke, which were predominantly led by freshmen, yeah. these teams, these veteran teams are the ones that are cutting down the nets uh, in March and in early April. In football, you have to stay minimum three years so there are no one and done. So a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart, mm-hmm. he's going to keep that stuff. Bowers could have been in the NFL two years ago, the tight end for Georgia. Right. Anderson from Alabama could have been in the NFL a year or two ago, the linebacker, but in the football, the NFL doesn't want 19 year olds in their sport. So we're not getting away from the top of the top dominating the landscape in football, but we still have the true Cinderella story in basketball. Your thoughts, just one observation.
2: Well, it's a recession proof event. It's, I don't care who's in the final four. It will still get a certain number. Yes. When I say number, I mean rating now, I guarantee you the problem with with college basketball in a lot of respects is much of the media has great disdain for college basketball. Mm -hmm. They will tell you what's wrong with it long before they'll tell you what's good about it. And that's got to be what you hear all week leading up to Houston. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Does anybody really care about this Final Four? (laughs) Columnists will be writing that. Right. And it'll be because they – they haven't taken the time, okay, just haven't taken the time mm-hmm. to to see the stories that are at FAU, the stories that are at San Diego State. Uh, did you know that Brian Dutcher's dad, Jim Dutcher, coached some really good Minnesota teams? Did you know the role he played in recruiting the Fab Five for Steve Fisher? Nobody wants to do that. It's a lazy ass media that says, I'm not interested, therefore you fans probably shouldn't be interested either. That's what's going to happen. Guaranteed. That's what you're going to read and hear from most people that are outside the college basketball circle that you and I reside in. And I think JC does too, because of his background. The bottom line is this isn't for you, Mr. Columnist at FIG website. Mm -hmm. It's not for you, Colin Coward. Okay. It's not for you, uh, Pat forty. If if you're not happy with the four teams that are in, I'm trying mm-hmm. to give examples from different areas. Oh yeah, I like I like all those guys. Respect their opinions, but the bottom line is they're going to tell you what's wrong before they tell you what's right most of the time. Right, not all, but most of the time. And to me, this is exactly the fly in the ointment special that I've <laughs> always wanted for a final four i think it's fantastic right now now you know i'd love to to discuss further uh whether san diego state shouldn't have been forced to play another five minutes Mm -hmm. to get to houston because i think they should have right but the bottom line is they're there and i'm going to celebrate the fact that they're there the mountain west conference was a better league top to bottom than the pac-12 was arizona and ucla were better but everybody else in that league stunk. Mm -hmm. stunk out loud so the mountain west deserves their moment in the sun uh houston got taken down by a miami team that had great skilled players a lot of transfers but a lot of skilled players and jim laranaga my god this is a guy from yesteryear that was part of terry holland god rest his soul terry holland staff for my first game that i did between Virginia and Duke, January 5th, 1985. He and um, uh, Seth uh, Greenberg was a GA, and he and Dave Odom were the primary assistants to Terry Hollis. That's right. And, and look at what he's done now, you know, over a period of five decades, really. And if you know him well enough, you know he's still a great, you know, uh, he's an Archbishop Malloy guy from the Bronx, New York. And he just, he'll go on and on about stories about, uh, the guys that he played for. And I love basketball people like that, that have such a zest for life. And, uh, I've done a number of tournaments. In fact, the last one I did 10 years ago in Austin, uh, I didn't know it would be my last, but it was. And, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy made the sweet 16 from there. And, um, he had a, he had a transfer point guard. It kind of came out of nowhere. They were just coming out of those NCAA sanctions that hit both the football and the basketball program. He can assemble teams and put together nomads and, and have them buy in and have chemistry quicker than just about anybody in the business. I think the other one that's great at that is uh, Ed Cooley, who did it mm-hmm. in Providence this year, and I think will do a great job at Georgetown. But those kinds of stories that we just love, most of our, our colleagues in, in media, particularly those that opine more than report, are going to be telling us why we shouldn't be interested, and that's yeah, that's a shame.
0: Well, yeah, and 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 so many of the people that cover it uh, on that landscape ignore it for much of the year. When I say mm-hmm. ignore it, they're not watching games on a Wednesday right. night or a Saturday. They they write the obligatory column that they have right. to do, and they really they find some type. Of, I mean, it's beautiful the way they craft it. I mean, we we saw this <laughs> during COVID. It's like, how do I really discuss what I want to discuss here on this planet, even though I'm supposed to discuss there on that planet? I got to find a way to bridge that gap and get and they do it. And it's a skill. I mean, I I commend them for it. It's not what I necessarily want to read. But, and I don't think they're serving the true fan. And this is where, again, it just becomes kind of lazy. Like, I don't want to have to cover the the sport and truly watch games and study players. And if they're not one and done NBA lottery picks, why do I care? Well, you should care. It's part of the job. And a lot of the people out there that care about these schools and teams actually do care.
2: Well, look, UConn may come out there and blow everybody away because, yeah, they may not have uh, any McDonald's high school, all Americans, but they got great recruits that are really good yeah. and they're going to have pro careers. Jordan Hawkins will be a mid first round pick. Okay. He will, he'll be a mid to late first round pick. Uh, Caravan, the outstanding freshman is going to have, I think a tremendous career at the next level. Uh, you know, the other big that, that, you know, I think that people are talking about more in the NBA is clinging the backup, the seven, two kid, out mm-hmm. of Bristol, Connecticut. They have two of everything. So, you know, if, if they win their game, uh, and it's by a large margin, I'm not going to be shocked. But one thing about the Final Four we know to be true, there are three games that are going to be played. And out of those three games in those two days, Saturday and Monday, something epic is going to happen. It always does. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we had a really bad Final Four, was after the tournament had been tremendous in 2011 with a bunch of buzzer beaters. I had the Butler doing it again and again in the first two rounds. Uh, They were an 8-9 team, and they were getting Stevens back to the Final Four for a second straight year, and this was after they lost Hayward to the NBA. This was the team minus Hayward. But they couldn't find the ocean in that game with UConn and got blown out. Mm -hmm. They, in turn, had blown out BCU. And UConn, well, that was the last time we really had a bad game where the uh, bad game's all around. Every other year, we've always gotten one epic game right. uh, out of the three. And I think this year, uh, UConn's going to be pushed by somebody. I, I would I would anoint them the favorite. But, you know, one of these teams uh, is going to have a moment in time that we'll be talking about forever. And I'm just happy that it's either going to be a Mountain West team or a Conference USA team. These these guys, you know, they've earned it and they deserve uh, the support they're getting and the and the interest that I'm certainly going to get
0: uh, without question. I mean, I, I I can't remember the last time I missed a final four game period, um, and I'm <laughs> certainly not going to bow out on this one because yeah. you don't have four blue bloods uh, if, you, if you enjoy the game. Right, you you enjoy the game, and and you brought up a and good even point.
2: the even the U, even the UConn story is a little bit of a return to glory. You know, they were, yeah. in, I mean, the the coach with the most pressure in this Final Four is Early, right? But he also had a hell of a lot of pressure when the tournament began, right? Because he had not gotten past the second game. You know, he had been bounced early uh, since coming in, and when they moved back from the American to the Big East, there was pressure on them to deliver because the school was going to take a financial bath getting away from college football, getting that seven to 10 million per that they were getting for playing football.
0: Yeah. I mean, UConn as a whole was in the abyss and I, I've talked yeah. about this before. I actually had them in the Myrtle beach bowl with, with Jim Mora and just to get to a bowl game. I mean, it looked like they were mm-hmm. just going to quit football altogether. It was a, right. it was a dumpster fire on top of a dumpster fire. And mm-hmm. then football I think is on the rise with, with coach Mora and obviously basketball. I agree with you. They're the favorite. And I, and I, I think you brought up a good point and then we'll, we'll pivot to, to football is that just because there's not McDonald's all Americans out there, there are pros on, on the floor. You're going oh, yeah. to see, you're going to see pros out there. And the way a lot of these teams are constructed, like UConn, like Miami, if they're not getting McDonald's all Americans, they're getting those guys that are like number 40 to 75 in the top 100 yeah. kid. And right. if you have those guys and they're old and they're juniors <laughs> and seniors, they mm-hmm. can beat any team full of McDonald's All-Americans, and more often they're simply the better team. So that's that, true. That, you know that to circle back well, to the original Vill- point.
2: Villano- Villanova was that way. If right. you looked at Villanova's team, both teams, the 16 team and the 18 team, okay, and the teams that they were winning against to claim national championships, certainly the uh, epic game with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got I was doing ACC games back then too. Uh, with Raycom, and I did obviously the Fox games with Villanova. My God, uh, there there are ten guys on on two of my boards that are stalwart NBA players now. Mm-hmm. But Villanova was the team that people were struggling with being a blue blood now. Okay, are they really L well, eighty five? When after they got the second one in three years, I think they became the blue blood, and and that's kind of where UConn is in their world. They're trying to become uh, Villanova 2.0, right? Okay, for the Big East. So, and know,
0: they've and got again, a huge enrollment.
2: To where you are? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, UConn's got a huge enrollment. Like they, they people are like, well, who's going to show up? I guarantee there's going to be plenty of Connecticut fans. Big time. Uh, I know a couple yeah. of them. One of them is a former and, boss of mine who's going to be there. Um, media
3: will
2: be there too. The uh, yeah, media I'll, requests from the NCAA. That's right. That's right. Connecticut. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I have to say. I've heard this a hundred times already FAU, a little small school in Boca. It's a massive campus uh, with a huge enrollment. There's really nothing small about it. The gym is small, a gym, which I used to shoot around in because it seats about 3,700, but nothing about FAU in general is really small. Um, Anyway. All right. Since you mentioned San Diego state, which by the way, if the Pac 12 is not on the phone trying to close that deal with San Diego State now, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. what it's going to take. But yeah. let's talk about the PAC. As JC mentioned, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, you know, we all have our roots. Uh we all have our roots in southern football, I guess you could say, but we all love the big picture product. In other words, I've never looked at this as a well, I'm really fond of this league and I have roots in this league, so therefore I want everybody else to be destroyed. You know, this is not yeah. like we're not yeah. running a fast food empire. We we want everybody to be healthy and vibrant. So I look at what's going on with the Pac-12 situation, and I, I, I've mentioned this before, Tim, It's it's almost like at times you hear Somebody's saying everything's fine, everything's okay, and it's like the guy's playing the violin and the Titanic as it's going <laughs> submerged in the water. Like, no, everything's not fine. This is a really important time if you're going to survive as a power yeah. five, you know, relevant league. What do you think is going to happen there? Let's talk about Colorado going to the Big 12, which would make a lot of sense to me. Where Where do you think this all ends up?
2: Well, we were throwing a little bit of a curveball last week when uh, the Arizona uh, president the arizona president made this statement when he was asked i'm not sure exactly where he was it was some summit where uh people of his ilk were on hand and a number of media types were supposedly going to be covering it and the arizona president i think even reached out to a few media people that are covering it on a daily basis uh, i want to say i first saw it from maybe Stu might have been might have been Stu in the athletic that uh, wrote it first and i saw it and then i heard some other people writing and i read some other people that wrote about it as well he made this grandiose statement that they would have a deal that would eclipse the big 12 deal well the big 12 deal is by far and away the third best deal in college football it's new members uh and members remaining from the oklahoma texas period okay are going to be making, I think it's between seven and eight million dollars more annually than they were making in the league with Texas and mm-hmm. Oklahoma in it. So that's 41, 42 million annually for Big 12 schools. Well, if the Pac 12 is going to get that, and they're going to get that with streaming, streaming companies being your, your Bell cow, well, they might get to that number, Mike. They could. And if they do, God bless you. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to have many eyeballs. Mm -mm. You're not going to have nearly as many eyeballs on your product while you're patting your wallet saying, look at us. We're making however many million more than the Big 12. I don't think that matters very much if people are trying hunting uh, and trying to find you. You already are hard to to catch with uh, deals with ESPN and Fox. You know, I'm not gonna speak for anyone in my company that's in the business of procuring rights, but I'm just gonna say what I read. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I read is Fox isn't interested.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: what I also read is ESPN may or may not be interested. Okay, that's that's what mm-hmm. I'm reading that's right from the people in Sports Business Journal and beyond. So Amazon or Apple are gonna have to, you know, bring the Brinks armored truck you know, to George Kliopkov's palace, wherever it is. I know it's not in Santa Clara anymore. He moved it, you know, someplace, wherever he
3: lives.
2: (laughs) Drop off that money. And then hopefully, I I, I can't imagine that they would not have a deal either with uh, ESPN in some capacity on their linear networks for late at night, or that they would maybe ESPN Plus, because I know that streaming thing for them, is a really big deal. Maybe they'd be interested in putting some Pac Twelve games on there too. Well, that but window is open. They would have on the, to
0: have that T V window yeah. is open for somebody, Tim. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah, it is.
0: So I mean,
2: but if but but if your league if if your lead show pony is streaming financially, yeah, that's good, but it's not gonna help you with your obscurity from fans and media. And yes, even those that are trying to find you that might be on the committee, you know, you, you're, you're in a world of hurt. And, and yeah, meanwhile, Brett, Yormark is sitting over there waiting to see what they're going to do all the while chirping uh, to Colorado, to Utah, to the Arizona schools. Hey, if you're really not happy with that, my guess, I, I don't think you would have any problem at all, nor would the other ADs or school presidents have a problem with, with anybody else wanting to come into the, into the league, because if that were to happen, that would only make in my mind, the big 12, a bigger player as the third most influential football conference in America, which I believe is what your Mark's task in his own mind is to solidify the big 12 as, uh, as, as the next best. And remember the big 12 has interest. It has viability, great coaches, really good players, they don't have media markets. They don't have major media markets. They have DFW area, yeah, okay, they got TCU, and that really helps them a lot, help them get the deal that they got. But they don't have beyond that, Stillwater, Oklahoma, I mean, and places like that, Manhattan, Kansas, those are not big media markets. Even Kansas City is not big, big. It's not. Right. Uh, in terms of being a, a, a major mega media market. So if teams like San Diego state or Colorado with Boulder and Denver and, 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 uh, in Arizona and Arizona state with Phoenix, and if those teams became available, that would only make their deal worth that much more.
0: And you're already uh, adding Houston and Orlando speaking of media markets.
2: Which were huge gets. Absolutely, absolutely. I thought and
0: the Big B- Twelve
1: Cincinnati as
3: well.
0: and Cincinnati. And yep. I mean,
2: and BYU has an international following. That's right. That's well, heck, they, they got a, their own TV network. Instance. They do. They yeah, do. Like, BYU's no, got a major fan base. They got they. I said this before, and a lot of my friends were shouting me down, especially my old SEC friends who look upon me as, uh, you know, Benedict Arnold these days. <laughs> but 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 I'm sorry, but BYU is a big deal. You know, Absolutely. getting BYU on your schedule. There's a reason why Ole Miss did a home and home with them. There's yeah. a reason. You know, there's a reason because it's it's good business uh, to play a non-conference game against them. I I would suggest you might want to play two for one and not one for one. Mm. Uh, but 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 BYU is a big big get. Uh, and you know, the bottom line is um, uh, the Big Twelve had no problem with the Church of Latter-day Saints, the people in the Pac-12 did. Right. Okay? So you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. you Yeah. You, you reap what you sow in this business.
0: I, I look at this, and look, obviously, it was a gut punch for the Big 12 to lose Texas and Oklahoma. Nobody saw that coming. Just as the Pac did not see Southern Cal and UCLA defecting for the Big Ten, you didn't see that coming, right? These moves mm-hmm. happened kind of almost in the middle of the night. But the difference uh- is— whatever setbacks the big 12 has had over the years this going back to the previous commissioners i think they've done the very best they can to patch Absolutely. up the hole and 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 move forward and even uh, progress yeah. and, i can't say credit, that about the pack
2: right much credit has to go to bob Bowlesby, who even when right. he knew he was out okay did all of the grunt work on those teams he wanted to bring in right before your before Yor- Mark got there So, and now he's delivered to Brett Yormark, something he can promote. Mm -hmm. And this, that's, that's, that's his, his DNA is promoting. And, uh, but Bob Bowlesby was always a really good, solid uh, football man. The big 12 got itself into trouble because they all placated all of them and even past commissioners. Okay. Placated to Texas. And it was like they were as if they were down on their knees genuflecting okay to texas please stay okay and uh it got tiresome it really did but that's that's not happening anymore and uh and i think equal payment is for for everybody involved is going to be a a really big thing for them i I think they're extraordinarily happy uh, the membership of the big 12 now
0: how excited are you not to completely bypass 2023 but let's think about 2024 Mm -hmm. uh the Big Ten with Southern Cal and UCLA, the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas, and a twelve-team playoff. I mean, that's going to be great, <laughs> right? This has got to be yeah. one of the best, biggest banner years in the history of yeah. our beloved sport. Yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, you know what we're doing here by having uh, the playoff expansion take place a year before it had to take place, and I'll make this prediction for you guys right now. This is, you know, ESPN is the lone uh, rights holder of the playoff with four. It'll be the lone proprietor with 12 first time around. Mm-hmm. What this is basically is a snapshot uh, season. It's almost like when the ACC adopted the three-point shot for the regular season in 83, mm-hmm. but the tournament didn't get it until 85, I think it was, or maybe later, 86, 87, 87. 87. Yeah. 87. So, so if you remember what how Valvano used the three point shot with Wittenberg and Lowe and those guys just to win enough games, right? And then of course, uh, and, they, and they did not have it in the ACC tournament, by the way. Still won it and uh, and got to the NCAA's. But this is going to be a test season for the for the twelve team playoff, and what by that I mean, uh, the new contract is being negotiated now for a multi network deal which will happen i believe you know the the multi network deal will happen mm-hmm. and whether it's the company i work for or somebody else there will be more than one network involved when we have the new contract i think that's pretty much a given all of the major players have kind of shaken their heads and said yeah that's that's where we're going i've not heard anything to suggest that i'm wrong when i make that statement mm-hmm. After we do 12 and they see the boom, the boomerang of all this that we now have, like in basketball, a three-week event that has the five playing the 12 and the six playing the 11, and there's home fields for the first round. I think what they're going to discover is, and, and, and television people, no matter if they work in Connecticut and their overlords are in Burbank or they're in L.A. and they're their lot is in Century City. Well, I, wherever it is, okay, they're gonna all of the all the money people, all the suits are gonna come forward and they're gonna tell the people: do you know how much more money you'd make if you had one, two, three, and four playing against 13, 14, 15, and 16 that opening week? It's all about inventory. And the more inventory you give to sports television the more television is going to give you. And I believe we'll see 16 teams in this thing by the time the new television contract is signed. Which is well, I believe we're going off. to 12 now. No, it's right around the corner. Yeah. This is going to it now, you know, in time for uh, a college football season in twenty. Technically, it's happening at 25. We've got the new conferences. You know, we, we've got four. Uh, to go through again. But once we get to 12, I think we're looking at three years. We're looking at uh, the 26th season when I believe we'll have 16 teams. I really believe that.
0: I would not be shocked. I I mean, I'm just happy with 12. Oh, I am too.
2: Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm happy with 12 too. If they choose to say no, one, two, three, and four keeps the regular season uh, as important as it needs to be, so they've earned an off date. Mm-hmm. If that, that that would be what they would use as their excuse not to do it. Yeah. But once they find out, these presidents find out how much more money is in the cookie jar. Oh, sure. By allowing, and, and you're not adding on to the, the calendar at all. You're just making sure teams one, two, three, and 4 are playing at home in games against teams 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's, right. it's it, that it, simple.
1: You have to think this too, Tim, athletic directors and fan bases, right? All right. So say you're a top four seed like Alabama, you know, their fans already consistently complain about neutral site games and want more home mm-hmm. games on campus. So, you know, they go through, and they win the SEC and they're undefeated, and, 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 but but they don't get a home playoff game. Right. At Brian exactly. Denny, but number yeah. number five does, you know. Exactly. So yeah. so I could I could see that that that's one thing I'm very curious about is like, okay, so you're giving these teams buys, but my understanding is it's going straight to the bowls. So teams with lesser accomplishments will actually be hosting playoff games, whereas Teams to get the Bible not. So uh, yeah. I, I think that's something. And you want to talk about money. I mean, on campus home playoff game is going to be legendary. So, oh uh, my yeah. God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and by the way, the notion that a 14, 15, or 16 couldn't upset one of them not being real in today's world. Come on. Not after what we saw last year with TCU in Michigan.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: mean, after what we saw with TCU in Michigan, how's anybody going to think that the potential of, uh, a team that's ranked 14th or 15th that maybe got hot, uh, won four, five of their last six games, can't knock off a number four team at home. I, yeah. I, well, I think the even, potential is there; it really is.
0: Even beneath that, I, I, I heard way too much of "Oh, well, you know, when is the number eight team ever going to beat?" It? I mean, look, once you get past the the the, the way that the super team is of the yeah. year is, whether it's Georgia right. the last couple of years or Alabama before right. that, or LSU had its one, you know, super right. team year. But once you get past that team, the rest of that field, I I yeah. don't even think I would call it a major upset if, you know, right. the, the 10 beats a three or what I know my numbers are right. off here, but yeah. you get the idea. Like, I, I don't and think that, I think there'll be plenty of quote unquote upsets well, in that 12 yeah. team playoff.
2: And here's I mean. the other thing with all the money that's there from NIL and, and, and with the portal doing what the portal does. And that's, I know another topic, but that we can get to, but we're going to see more staying power for the players, Mm -hmm. a greater identity for the fans with those players and the teams. You know, we talked a little bit about the basketball tournament having a lot of teams that are there because they're older. They may not be as skilled, but they're older. They have got great chemistry and all that. Well, we're going to see that happen with more teams, in the so-called non-power conference areas, okay? Uh, And and I think that if a player is making in excess of a million five, okay, and he's living in a college town and he's got choices, gee, am I going to play for that weak-ass Carolina Panthers team (laughs) or am I going to get to play here at home on a potential national championship team and I'll still be able to rake in about a million and a half or two million dollars I think I might stay in school another year. Yeah. that's going to start happening here, mm-hmm. and and uh, guys my age get, you know, they get real tired of hearing about money, but but money to the players is going to help the college game, and its level of interest mightily. I mean yeah. it is because uh, players now have some options, and uh, I've got no issue if the coaches uh, are making millions, the universities are making bazillions. And those, I mean, one less Niagara Falls inside the football offices in Tuscaloosa, and more money going to the players is okay with me.
0: One less, uh, uh, one less slide at Clemson land uh, for Dabo <laughs> and the players to, to yeah. slide down, yeah. and you know maybe yeah. a little fewer toppings at the uh, ice cream bar for some of these <laughs> yeah. athletic
1: departments. UCF's building a, a lazy river. The Knights are building a Lazy I do river, like that. So. I, I think that ought that. to be mandatory. I like that idea. I, I like that. that for, like, southern campuses maybe, and it, stuff. It, that should be part of a, D1
0: status, right? Yeah, maybe, you, put, a,
2: put a Chuck E. Cheese uh, on the <laughs> island. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> around, around, the, uh, around the Lazy River. You yes. Know? A Chuck E. Cheese goes Chucky in. Geez. Every
0: semester, you get so many tokens, and you get to play yeah. as many video games as hey, you want.
2: Know, hey, some of these players have kids. You got to have a little park. For yeah, you got to have no, a little no, fun.
0: Yeah. No, look, I... I, I've said this before, and I, I, I know we don't want to go knee-deep in NIL, but yeah, I've never been anti-compensation for players. I do think there, we've got to have a little bit of structure to it, and right now we right. have not
2: No, no. And and, and uh, the way to go about it is what, what they're trying to do. Uh, it's going to be a little harder without uh, one party controlling both the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we'll get there in a couple of years, I don't know, but maybe we will. But we need uh, congressional help on this to get some uh, unifying of structure so that one state doesn't have such such a big advantage over another state, okay mm-hmm. and 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 it's in regions of the country have a lot to do with this. Uh, in the SEC, <laughs> you know, we were ready-made in this in this part of the country for NIL. I mean, we were ready-made for it. It had been going on for years illegally anyway, so we're ready to go.
3: Right, legally, yeah. Okay? yeah. We are. Sure. And
2: people know that, and even people here know that, and that's good for the Southeastern Conference. But when you go to other parts of the country, Mike, to do games, and you ask, uh, and I'm talking at prominent universities, okay, you ask a coach about their NIL, and he's like, well, I'm the NIL. I put the whole thing together. Well, he had to do it by himself because there wasn't enough interest from alumni for, right. for or anybody that he knew that he could trust. So he said, I'll control it. And he mm-hmm. would get some people next to him to help him coordinate it and put it together.
0: Right. So it's
2: going on in other places, but the size of it is it is not nearly as large and it's not structured. You know, with the university having basically replace their compliance people with their NIL collectibles people. That's right. That's kind of what's gone on uh, at the preeminent big state schools in college places, not just the SEC, but certainly in the big 10 and the big 12. Uh, I think the structure is pretty good, but when you get to each coast, uh, if the coach doesn't take it, you know, the bull by the horns, he's going to be left behind. So it's basically a blue state, red state thing. If you're a red state, you have your act together on NIL. If you're a blue state, you're trying to, you know, round up the support, round up the business people to to, to see it the way you see it, so that your team can compete at the level that uh, he he believes the coach believes the alumni base would want.
0: And as usually is the case, the people that have the least interest in college athletics succeed su- succeeding have the most adamant viewpoints on NIL and how it mm-hmm. should, there shouldn't be any guardrails and everybody's right. a victim and we should do that. And, and really that's, it's always like a hot take and nobody really argues that intelligently against it. And then it just gets mm-hmm. out there in the universe. And it's like, well, wait so a minute. True. What are we actually talking about here? What do we, yeah. let's think this yeah. through practically. So true. Cause if we're yeah. going to admit it's a business, well then all great businesses have to have some structure to it. We don't just right throw stuff up in the air and say, well, this is the way it should. Be. Anyway, um, it's, a couple yeah, quick it's, hitters. Yeah. It's Go mostly
1: blue, blue. I was going to say mostly blue, blue, how blue States and red States and the different parties view labor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and having lived in both, it's, it, it's dramatically different. And yeah. there's good and bad in both. Uh, I think one is more pro independent business and one is more pro worker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so if you're a hardcore pro worker and, and you, you want 50% of the revenue for your workers, that's obviously a different uh, a different deal than if you're in a, a state that just kind of believes in entrepreneurship yeah. and, and yeah. says, okay, go make as much as you want, but you're, you're not getting any of this. And so right. it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting debate uh, not to get too political uh, once right. it gets to that, that thing. And I think Charlie Baker... I mean, a moderate Republican from Massachusetts that was got elected government governor there. If anybody could do it, this guy probably can. Absolutely, that's uh, you know that's, a
2: be- that's the best thing they, they could have done yeah. is hire a guy that was a Republican in a as blue a state as you could get to to deal with what he had to deal with as a governor. He is absolutely fits the profile of what the NCAA needed. Now, whether he can do it with the lack of power that the NCAA has. Maybe he can get the, I think the biggest problem right now, fellas, and I like all these guys, but I've got the biggest problem I have is when, was it just after COVID when the commissioners of all the conferences were at odds with one another or, the, yes. or was it, I mean, they, they obviously were, they, they were pissed off at each other in the closet before they came out of the closet with how mad they were after COVID. And now it almost seems one will do in the other just because, mm. and uh, if not for the president of Mississippi state, I'm trying to remember his name now, the president of Mississippi state.
0: Oh, you got me on that. Uh,
2: yeah. He, he was the president that stepped forward and said enough. This is enough. You guys get together, get in a room and by God, figure it out. Yeah. Mark Keenum. Myself, yes. Mark. Keenum. Mark Keenum. He, he stepped up. Other presidents got their voices out, and that's when the commissioners felt, okay, y'all want to experiment with 12? We'll glad to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people ask, how did that happen? And uh, This is the presidents, okay, who used to get blamed for everything and normally probably deserved it. This guy steps up. Other people listen, and now all of a sudden some commissioners are actually talking again uh, cordially that maybe weren't, you know, two years ago at the Final Four. You know, Bowlesby and Sankey are walking out pissed off. Uh, and, and those two were at odds, obviously, over the OU Texas thing, but yet they were on the same side when it came to what we needed to do, what was mm-hmm. in the best interest of, of college football. And so I'm glad to see presidents like uh, uh, this gentleman that Keenum needed. We needed a, a no nonsense, common sense guy. To step up it's a president of the university and uh so I think the uh, outlook is brighter than people I think the vast majority believe
0: yeah I think it's healthier now I, I the you know there's a concern out there uh that might be legit and we just sung the praises of all the good things the big 12 has done uh considering that the, the two heavyweights that they're going to lose but th- there is a concern when you look at 2014 what the Big Ten is going to add what the SEC is going to add what their TV contracts are going to look like, what everybody else's TV contract is going to look like. And you sit there and you, and we both know they're both chock full of blue bloods and facilities and fan bases mm-hmm. and TV markets and everything else. How in the heck can any of these other conferences truly compete with the SEC and the big 10 come 2024?
2: No, I, I think the bottom line is the way you have to do it is by getting Those, and I've, I've seen them, uh, at every level, uh, you see a place like coastal Carolina Mm -hmm. that did what it did and had the right guy to lead them to the promised land first in baseball, then in football, uh, it can be done. All right. And, and, and you see other examples, the Boise state example from the BCS era, how they, how they built their enrollment, how they how they became something from an academic standpoint far better than what they had been before, largely because of the success of their athletics program, you know, to have people that are presidents of universities that understand how you, how you take the collaboration of strong in athletics can lead to stronger academics and vice versa. That happens. And these schools at at that level have to come to terms with that. Uh, at small Louisiana Monroe. Okay. When I was in school, it was a directional school, Northeast Louisiana. Now it's a hyphen school, but for the first time they have a president who understands that collaboration and knows that he's got to pay a little more for a guy like Bowden and he's got to pay a little more for some assistance so he can have a chance to compete. Uh, that's, that's a program that I think has been probably last in, in funding last in budget and yet it's creeping back up and you got to keep doing that you got to keep rallying and you got to keep getting more and more people that maybe in the past were not uh had the money the old money that they were not going to give up now you got to find a way to convince them to become donors to your program and there are other examples but that's the one that hits closest to me because of where I'm from where I live but there are examples nationally i think coastal carolina most recently and Boise State, when we began the BCS era, are the two shining examples. Think about Utah prior to Pac-12 as a Mountain West school. Sure. TCU prior to Big Twelve as a Mountain West school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are tremendous examples of people that started ponying up. I'm telling you, if you go to TCU, yeah, it may have forty five thousand instead of a hundred. Oh, but but that forty five thousand is jam packed. It's happy. And the donors that are getting those oh, suites, yeah, they're putting in money like you would not believe. Well,
0: you and I have both money. done games. Absolutely not believe. That, you and I have both done games at that stadium. If you haven't been in the founders' room, right, oh my god! Yeah. What is it? Six of those suites that go for millions. I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I think, they got I think money.
2: Be, you had to have it. Had to be uh, the founders' deal was limited to maybe I think it was maybe six or nine. Some yeah. number like that, right,
3: right? And
2: it was it was uh, the number I think was right over right around twenty five million. twenty five. <laughs> twenty five. That's mean, how they like raised a, all
0: the money for the stadium, yeah.
2: And that was I mean it was that like, was ten uh, years
0: ago because I that's yeah. I, I I did my first game there right around the time that happened, and and
2: I, and, and since then they finished that other side now, so it is an epic yeah. stadium.
0: It's incredible, with, yeah. Uh,
2: and on the outside, it still looks you know, like it was constructed when it was constructed, then you go inside and it's off the charts, modern and just fantastic. So I think that uh, other schools in conferences, the size of the Sunbelt of the mountain West, uh, they have a chance to compete. Uh, They know it, but they're going to have to do a lot of it with their own lead work. You know, they've got to do it. They got to grind it. And, You'll see. There will be more examples like Coastal and like uh, Boise State in the country. Well, the beautiful the thing is there, it's a yeah. question of tapping into that money.
0: The the beautiful thing of it, too, is um, much like, I mean, if you go to the Final Four, whether or not you you win a game there, you're hanging a banner because that's a historic year. If right. you're a Sunbelt school and you get to the 12-team playoff, that is forever a historic year that will be celebrated a century from now, whether yeah. you win and the, the and, title or not.
2: Yeah. And by the way, with the American losing who they lost, and I, I'm a big fan and friend of Mike Oresco's, I'll be sitting right next to he and his wife, Sharon, with my wife this weekend. Uh, you know, wonderful people. I go back to his days at ESPN and mine, and then his days at CBS and mine. Uh, we go back that far. If you noticed, all the teams he got to replace Cincinnati and UCF and um, Houston, they're all big market schools Mm -hmm. they're all in good sized markets now it's going to take a while for them to get up to speed with what's left okay being memphis and other schools that are still left in the american uh but he's right we do not have to have nor should we ever say again power five group of five it's division one college football let's stop labeling these schools based on what the media perception here is, okay? Mm -hmm. Because teams can come from conferences like that. The Sun Belt right now, because of their new membership and the old membership that's still there, in my mind, has moved ahead of the American in football because of the overall talent they have and the recruiting base that they can get their players from. The American, which has clearly been the best of the so-called non-Power Five, they've got a growing period now ahead of them for about i think probably 2 to 3 years at least but the comforting thought for mike aresco and all the other commissioners is well we've got 12 now so you can't say we don't have a chance that's right we have a chance you're at the table so you yeah and so when you start your practices in august you know your fall camps you can say let's go have something special happen we too can do what you know, maybe no one thought TCU could do last year. Okay. Right. And uh and that's another big thing. I don't care how badly Georgia beat TCU. Okay. They still beat Michigan and they got to the championship game. It's huge. And, and that helps the big 12 and help Brett Yormark with his TV deal. It'll continue to help them. And I think it'll help all of those schools and conferences that right now we, we put in that God awful position of group of five. I think it's Division One college football, and I, I think it's being really unfair uh, if we say it otherwise now. I really do.
0: They've got a seat at the table. Tim, you always have a seat at our table here on J.C. and Morgan. As always, you knock it out of the park. That's why you're the lone member of the Distinguished, three-time <laughs> member of J.C. and Morgan podcast. <laughs> Only one person could be first. You climb that mountain before anybody else. Uh, really, uh, we appreciate that time just flies by because we're just, we're just talking. Um, and, and you always have very compelling thoughts to, to, to say, and it always comes from a standpoint of, of credibility, which is, uh, important to us. Uh, enjoy your off season. I'm sure we'll chat again yeah. uh, before too long. And uh, as always, we thank you so much for the time.
2: You too, fellas. Great, Mike. Thank you. And JC, great talking to you as well. I'm here anytime for you. If you want to make it a fourth, Just give me a buzz. The the, the contract says,
0: yeah, the contract says at least five. (laughs) I don't know if you read the fine print. (laughs) You're already under contract for at least two Uh. more of these suckers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll get you in there for sure. Tim, again, thank you so much. And uh, please stay in touch. Good stuff as always from uh, Tim Brando, again, of Fox Sports, formerly of ESPN, of CBS, of Raycom, of uh, Sports Radio World, of the Braves and of the Falcons. That, my friends, is a uh, wow. a, a career. And uh, a, again, what I I we, we I mentioned we've been fortunate to have really good guests on here. We don't want anybody on here doesn't want to be on here. I'm not I'm not uh, twisting anybody's arm to give us no. even a half hour. Tim always gives us more than that. Yeah. Um, but if you enjoy talking ball like we do and talking about the the future of our beloved sport of football and in this case some basketball as well. That we want to, our doors open. And Tim is uh taking advantage of that and always does a great job.
1: Yeah. Love the fact he's done all kinds of different things that I, I appreciate. And uh, that South Carolina Miami game, I remember I was I was nine years old, Mike, and uh we had one of those big screen TVs that you pulled the projector out of upstairs. Uh and South Carolina just happened to be opening against Miami that year, first game of the season, first game for Todd Ellis, who we all remember. Uh, most of our audience knows uh, Miami beat him pretty good that night, but uh, I do remember Timmy B was the uh, was the sideline guy. I think Kevin Kylie and Ron Franklin may have been. Oh, Kylie! Wow, Kevin Kylie, man. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. heck of a. He would,
0: yeah, uh, Kylie would go on to do NFL on TNT, um, and and then Franklin who i've mm. heard a, a million stories of from uh people at ESPN that i work <laughs> with now that used to work with Ron um <laughs> well. they're they're all over the map we'll, we'll leave it at that but in terms of in the south popularity play-by-play voices oh. Ron is right up there ron is is so much of what uh southern football fans like in their play-by-play guys yeah. uh he, he had a little Keith Jackson
1: to him, a little a yeah, little key, a yeah, little key just
0: to him. yeah, smooth as silk on the voice, and not over, yes. st- not over the top, and and just yeah, uh, Franklin was was one of the best when it when it came to that for sure. As uh, always, speaking of one of the best, the very best when it comes to jeans and other accessories, Blue Delta, Blue Check them out. You will not find a more comfortable, better looking, uh, long lasting pair of jeans on the planet. And again, they're custom to your shape, not to theirs. And you can have that uh, customization done. You have to go to a department store to do it. You can do it online and have them shipped to your door. It's BlueDeltaJeans.com. Tell Mike and JC if sent central- you. I, I, I was amazed. I keep hearing from people time and time again uh, who have heard our ads on that and have actually actually become Blue Delta customers. I mean, that's kind of the point, but it's just always good to hear that. So appreciate those of you that have reached out uh, to me and, and told me that. Some other people reached out to me, JC, in closing about how much they've enjoyed uh, the remote droppers, the movie segment that we do at the end. We're not going to do that today because of time, but uh, I've had a couple people get on me about not seeing un- Uncle Buck all the way through. Uh, that's my bad. I've seen every other John Hughes movie and love them all, and I love John Candy. I just It just slipped through the cracks. I don't know what to tell you, um, but I will uh, get to that at some point in time. Uh, all right. JC, hope you enjoyed your vacation. It's good to have you back. And sure. actually, we're have actually we doing another one this week. We're going to talk to uh, Matt Chernoff, a 680 The Fan, who's been doing sports talk radio in the mecca of college football for over 20 years. And I know he's got a lot of thoughts on the subject. Uh, so we'll drop this, and then we'll drop that, and then we'll get back at it next week. And we just keep rocking and rolling. There is no off season on JC and Morgan. So that will do it for us, for JC. It's Mike saying so long, and we'll see you soon again on JC and Morgan.